It's the middle of the night, and you're somewhere between being asleep and being awake. When it hits you, you're not alone in the room. There's somebody standing at the foot of your bed, and you can barely see them, but you can't move, and you can hardly breathe. And you try to raise your hand, you try to move your head, and you can't. All you can do is sit there while he or she or it watches you. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. This is our Halloween episode. (laughs) We will be covering true encounters with shadow people tonight. Uh, we have some background, and then we have an interview with Jamie in Connecticut, who has had true encounters with the shadow people going back for years. All right. So just to orient listeners to what we're talking about, shadow people are beings that people see, almost always at night, although not always, that have no color or discernible features beyond an outline in a deep black. Shadow people sometimes interact with their physical environment. This suggests they are not merely shadows. Also, often in uh, accounts of people who are encountering shadow people, there are intense and deep feelings of overwhelming fear, sometimes an extremely cold physical sensation is felt as well. Shadow people became very popular in the early 2000s, and in 2001, Art Bell interviewed Native American elder Thunderstrikes. And I was actually just listening to Art Bell earlier tonight, Dane, uh, who talked about his experiences with the shadow people. They have been the subject of numerous books in the 21st century, despite a general lack of consensus about what they are. That's right, Chris. An informative remark about the nature of the shadow people comes from Brad Steiger. Uh, Steiger was an American author of both fiction and nonfiction works on the paranormal. Uh, He died in 2018. Steiger described the shadow people as a collection of phenomena. He said, shadow people are not just one thing, but are named for a great variety of entities. Shadow people is a collective title for many different manifestations of the metaphysical, the mystical, the magical, and the metaphorical. So I think that Steiger is getting at this idea that there may be a whole bunch of different things that go under the name shadow people. Absolutely. And he, he just passed in 2018, didn't he, Dane? That is correct. Uh, yes. W- was his uh, death mundane or were there shadow people involved? I don't believe the shadow people have been strongly implicated in the event. I think it's a well, nat- it's died of natural causes and shadow well, people are not natural. Uh, that's really good to know. Do we have any kind of like, violence associated with because in my our research i've not actually found someone being like a victim of physical violence although there's been maybe mildly i think we get into we're going to hear some of that in our interview but yeah not like murderous right have you heard anything like that well, i think if you were murdered by shadow people it would be hard to prove because they wouldn't be able to find the weapon and they wouldn't be able to find oh, the culprit yeah. right yeah i mean the weapon would be like a shadow weapon but now Um, that you mention this actually in some of the deep research we did that didn't make it into this show i found a a story about a person in toronto who said that he was being um he was victimized by a creature that got into his bed and he fought it off and then later he was reading reports from people who said that they were getting attacked and it was called um 
the Toronto rapist. And so he oh, called the okay. police and he said, I think I'm having the same thing happen that's happening to these people. And the mm-hmm. police and him talked about it. And he said, the police confirmed that there's a paranormal aspect to the reports, but they're mm. leaving them out. So they don't Ooh. report the stuff about it being a shadow person. They just report like a bedroom intruder attacks somebody in their sleep. And then oh, it gets labeled. Yeah. That's terrifying. So did the, the shadow person actually try to like violate him sexually? Or was it just since it was in his bedroom, that's the assumption? Yeah. No, it's just making. because it was the assumption. So for him, oh. he said, no, it wasn't sexual. But I think that when it happened to women, then uh, they framed it that way. And that's the way it okay. got spun and, and, and in the may, press. I mean, and it may be, you know, we don't know what the shadow person's proclivities are either. Uh, so there could be a difference case by case as well. That's fascinating, Dane. Absolutely. Wow. Um, so uh, a little bit more a background here. On the other hand, paranormal researcher Jason Offit in his book, Darkness Walks, The Shadow People Among Us, published in 2009, divides the shadow people into eight categories. Benign shadows, shadows of terror, red-eyed shadows, noisy shadows, angry hooded shadows, shadows that attack, shadow cats, and the hat man. Uh, And all these names, I think, are pretty self-explanatory in their descriptions, but we'll get into more of those. Now, with the red-eyed shadows... uh, that just makes me think about the Mothman, Dane. The Mothman has red eyes, and it's kind of shadowy. That's correct. But if you have a close encounter with the Mothman, uh, often you have um, like physical symptoms of illness afterwards. So I think that would distinguish Mothman from uh, one of these red-eyed shadow people. Okay, I don't want to get too far afield of this. I, I actually spoke to a young woman earlier today, um, a preliminary interview, and she claimed that she saw the, the Mothman and but what I'm seeing here, I'm not entirely sure that she did. Maybe it was a shadow person. I, I did ask her about her physical um, affect afterwards or and mental, uh, and she said she was like hysterically giddy that she could not stop like laughing uncontrollably. I I don't know. I that could be more of a shadow person phenomenon, right? Or I don't know. Maybe Mothman. Do you any thoughts on that? I'd li- I'm looking forward to that interview. Yeah, I am too. Absolutely. Maybe we'll get to that later and we can kind of uh, kind of delve into that a little bit more and see if we have a shadow person or a mothman or something else. It might be a good time, though, just to plug our next episode that we'll be doing um, Chicago-style mothman coming up next week. Yeah. And I, I'll uh, actually be eating Chicago-style pizza while we record that episode. Very good. The Mothman will deliver. So, Chris, um, here's one story I found about the shadow people. This is actually taken from that same book you were talking about by Jason Offutt. The house in South Euclid, Ohio, was built in the early years after World War I. It was a Sears modern home, a mail-order house popular before the Great Depression. Nobody lived in the house long, and during the years between 1967 and 1975, Lisa Fellor discovered why. The house had already had numerous owners and changed hands often, Lisa said. It always felt creepy to me. Repairs were seemingly endless, especially the roof. It always leaked. But what bothered Lisa's family most was the cold. It was impossible to keep the place warm enough in the winter, and Ohio winters by Lake Erie are deadly nasty, she said. The family room was the kitchen, as it was usually the only warm place in the whole house. Even when the living room chimney was lit, what little heat we had ran up the flue. The cold continued in Lisa's bedroom. It was the coldest room in the house, and she usually did her schoolwork in the kitchen. I spent quiet evenings at the kitchen table doing my homework. It was impossible to study in my room, she said. But from the kitchen, she could see unwelcomed visitors. Black human shapes cut from the fabric of the dimly lighted dining room. I constantly saw shadow people walking around in the dining room while I sat at the kitchen table, she said. They were normal, sized and silent, and though usually out of the corner of my eye, when looked at straight, they would just quietly move on. It wasn't a trick of the eye. When she turned on the dining room light, the brightness drove these shadows from the room. 
They annoyed me, but it's hard to know what to do about such a thing, Lisa said. I spoke to my mother about the shadow people, and she just calmly said, Well, maybe the place is haunted. If they don't hurt you, don't worry about them too much. Lisa moved from the house on Tellhurst Road when she turned 18 and, quote, never lived there again, end quote. She would stay with her parents on short visits, again seeing the shadows that walked in the dining room. I never heard a sound from the shadow people and didn't feel particularly threatened, but I did feel uneasy and not happy they were there, she said. It made me not like the house. All I can say is the house was creepy. Yeah, wow, yeah, very creepy. Uh, and I imagine probably, you know, difficult to, to eat. I wouldn't have much of an appetite if I had to share my dining room table with uh, shadow people who made me feel uneasy. Like kitchen was the only place in the house that felt like a normal house, right? The rest of the house was too cold. So it sounds yeah. like she would spend all her time there. Mm -hmm. And um, so I thought this was an interesting story because it's sort of a... It's like a classic case of shadow people, right? They don't... Very little interaction. There's the mention mm -hmm. of seeing them out of the corner of your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, but the mention of it being very cold in the house, and they're operating that flu, makes me think a little bit about sleep disturbances. You know, uh, people's sleep tends to be more disturbed when it's cold. Uh, sleep apnea episodes increase, for example, in the wintertime. Because the air is colder and, you know, it's drier. Uh, but also running an open flame like that can produce a lot of carbon dioxide. And I have a fireplace in my house. And I know that if the fire isn't combusting efficiently, it can also cause, cause carbon monoxide, which is very bad for you. Potentially dangerous, uh, you know, oxygen deprivation itself, I, I imagine that could cause some level of hallucination or make people more prone to that. Uh, but of those that disrupt breathing, you know, that can lead to just bad dreams, right? Yeah, so um, I have read that people have more episodes of sleep apnea in the winter. Sleep apnea is a phenomenon where you stop breathing in your sleep. Yeah. And it's not that uncommon for normal people to have it. It's more common if you've got, you know, if you've got a disorder, disordered breathing. But if you're having sleep apnea, that can cause you to have bad dreams. Like you could have a dream about being choked or you could have dreams about uh, you can actually have full blown sleep paralysis. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've had I've experienced sleep paralysis. That is terrifying. Um, and so for those of our audience who may not be familiar with this phenomenon. I know this is a pretty basic way to put it, but it's essentially your, uh, you know, part of you wakes up before all of you wakes up. So you're maybe like somewhat conscious and aware of your surroundings. In my case, I have my eyes open, but it felt like my body was still asleep, right? So my eyes are open, I could see in my room, and then my body wouldn't move. And I just kind of had to wait it out until I could start moving my body again. And that's happened to me a couple of times in my life, and uh, I, I don't think that it's paranormal. I think it's that phenomenon, and it really just was super unpleasant and scary, especially the first time it happened, right? Absolutely, Chris. I've had that same experience. Um, I had it more often when I was younger because I actually was having sleep apnea, and I had um, eventually had surgery on my sinuses, and I also mm -hmm. sleep with a little device in my mouth that helps me breathe, and I don't mm -hmm. have... I don't have sleep paralysis anymore, but I would wake up and I would feel like there was somebody in my room or somebody was near me. I would feel scared. I wouldn't be able to move all that stuff that you're describing. And that I think a lot of people describe when they're encountering shadow people. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, but we, so we discussed some of those possible explanations for shadow people, but you know, could some of these be real? Could these entities exist? Yeah, so that's another possibility. Um, and I found some people who had suggested, yeah, who, some people who take the shadow people seriously. In the active side of infinity, anthropologist and author Carlos Castaneda, who lived from 1925 to 1998, called these shadow entities mud shadows. Castaneda, mm. who cataloged paranormal discussions with his mentor, Don Juan, often saw these shadows gathering and dancing on the edge of his vision. 
Hmm. That is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, um, Castaneda was a, a Westerner, but he was trained in shamanic practices. He was born in Peru in 1925, as I said, and he moved to the United States in the 1950s, where he studied anthropology at UCLA, earning a PhD. And so he wrote a lot of books about the shamanic practices of the Mexican Indian cultures. Um, and Time Magazine in 1973 described him as an enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a tortilla. Hmm. He claimed yes. to have encountered shadow people uh, while practicing lucid dreaming. And he said there were two types of shadow people. He called them uh, mud shadows. He said there's organic entities and inorganic entities. Um, both entities are interested in human energy. Organic mud entities will negotiate with you for your energy, while inorganic mud shadows will just try to suck it out of you. They just try to feed off of you. Oh, geez, that sounds terrifying. Um, so actually, I have this the story here about one of those creatures. It sounds more like the inorganic mud shadow, uh, which we'll, we'll be hearing about a little bit more later from our, our live interview, um, also taken from Jason Offit's book. It was in the early hours of a day in 1974 in Laguna Beach, California, when Grover Bonham realized someone was in his house. Quote, I was in the army from 1966 to 1968, Bonham said. I have traveled around this dirt ball alone for more years than I care to remember. I grew up on the streets of L.A., and little causes me to feel fear. But until then, he never encountered the paranormal. I woke up and could not move anything but my eyes, he said. There was an energy blanket covering me, and it scared the shit out of me. Then he saw the intruders. Two human figures who were black, about four feet tall and thin, stood about three to four feet from his bed. He couldn't make out their faces, but they frightened him. They made no threatening moves or gestures, Bonham said. They were not doing anything to cause me to be so terrified. Then Bonham noticed a noise, a noise that shouldn't have been in his house. They were making a sound that sounded like the buzzing of bees, he said. Bonham tried to scream. The sound died in his throat when he realized that these entities were communicating with him. A voice came into my head and said that if I needed to be free of the energy that was holding me down, I should start with a low hum as the energy started to dissipate make it louder until I feel safe, he said. That is what I did and to the point where I could move my hand. As one hand began to move, the shadow people walked through a slit in the air and were gone. At that point, I could move freely, he said. I told no one, not even my yoga master. But the shadow people weren't finished with Bonham. They returned three years later. I was in bed, sleeping with my then-girlfriend, Chadwick, Bonham said. I woke up with that same feeling of not being able to move. There were three of them in my room. She was aside of my bed and one sitting on my legs. I freaked. He tried to call his girlfriend, but no words would come. Bonham relaxed and followed the advice given him during his first encounter. I started to hum. He said, when I did that, the one of my legs stood up on my bed and knocked a corner of a tapestry loose. It was hanging over my bed. All three went through the slit and I had free movement. Just as in his first encounter, he couldn't make out the features of their faces. They were just black. It was like a haze engulfed the room while they were there, he said. It was no dream. This encounter repeated itself the next year. I was in bed with my then-girlfriend Susie and woke up with that same feeling of not being able to move, he said. Again, it scared the shit out of me. The three shadow people were back, standing near his bed, just watching. I had no reason for the level of fear I felt, Bonham said. They made no move to harm myself or Susie and were again talking, and it sounded like bees buzzing. Again, he couldn't talk, and again he began to hum. The louder I got, the more the energy dissipated, and the three beings again walked through the slit in the air, he said. He then shook Susie awake and told her all of his shadow people encounters. She didn't believe him until five years later. Susie and I parted ways a year later, but stayed good friends, he said. In 1983, I received a phone call from Susie. She was excited and would not say why over the phone. She asked him to come to the house where she was taking care of five-year-old twins, Robin and Ra Rachel, while their parents were in Tibet. After I walked into the house, Susie told Robin and Rachel, tell Grover what happened last night, he said. When the girls told him, what the girls told him flooded him with memories of his encounter. The girls told me a story of how four shadow people came to the room and visited him the night before, he said. 
They sounded like bees buzzing when they neither talked, and they were nice. The shadow beings visited the girls for 20 minutes. Neither girl had been paralyzed like Bonham, and neither experienced Bonham's energy blanket. I asked if they were afraid. They laughed and said, no, why would we be, he said. Even though Robin and Rachel could not understand the buzzing, they could hear the beings' thoughts. It was no big thing to Robin and Rachel, and they laughed at my obvious fear. They also knew why Bonham had pinned down, been pinned down, and they had not. They said I had to be kept safe, so I would not try to hurt the shadow people or myself, Bonham said. I felt like a wimp. These two five-year-old girls had no fear at all. Why should they? The shadow people meant no harm. The shadow people told the girls they were here as observers from a parallel dimension. Nothing more, nothing less. They have to date, not return to me, Bonham said. I'm truly sorry that I not have it together enough to be cool. But I had never in my life felt fear like I did during my first contact with these beings. You know, interestingly, Dane, the first thing I thought is how, how much that parallels like um, alien abduction accounts, right? Yeah. Well, how so? Well, you know, this, this uh, kind of the similar type of paralysis being held down. Uh, basically, oftentimes the explanation is for this idea of safety, right? How uh, children, as they have these experiences, tend to have freer reign than adults oftentimes do in the accounts. And also the way that children frequently will perceive the uh, alien visitors to be, you know, friendlier um, and more engaged in this kind of telepathic communication with them. Right? Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So, uh, thoughts on this story, though, aside from that maybe external parallel? Um, well, I thought the whole buzzing thing was very interesting, that uh, the buzzing plays a big role in this particular encounter, right? It's a thematic feature of the encounter crossing different people, too. It is. And, and interestingly, in many accounts that you read of people who uh, claim to have had out-of-body experiences, they will talk about this moment in transition as they transition out of their human bodies, their astral body kind of leaves the physical, that they hear this kind of buzzing sound rushing through their ears at that moment of transition. Um, and again, just maybe another external pal parallel here to another phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, it could be a parallel phenomenon to DMT. Remember we talked about how uh, people who smoke DMT often right before they have the total out-of-body experience hear a buzzing sound mm -hmm. or feel a rushing, a sensation of rushing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I think this, I really like this. these stories or these accounts. It was uh, different stories, one account, right? Uh, and I think this oh, is yeah. a good transition point as we get into at the meat of our episode today, the interview. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. All right, let's get that interview. Yeah, uh, would you like to preview it a little bit for our listeners? Oh, one thing I did want to say quickly. So um, the stories from tonight are from uh, Jason Ostoff, sorry, Offutt, Jason Offutt's book, Darkness Walks, The Shadow People Among Us. So go check that book out if you're interested. There's a lot of stories about shadow people in it. So um, I um, met somebody up in Connecticut, where I am right now, who uh, has been having issues with shadow people her whole life. And she was good enough to have a full interview with me and Chris. So let's just roll that now. Jamie, can you hear us? Yeah, I was muted. I didn't realize it. Sorry. Oh, okay. I just on my phone. Great. How are you doing today, Jamie? Good. It's a good day. <laughs> good. How about you? I'm great. Uh, first of all, this is a story about the um, the shadow people. Do I have that correct? Yes. So there was actually um, three incidents, separate incidents that happened um, when I was living at my parents' house. Um, so the first one, I guess sort of what happened was... Um, I was reading a book about um, Hinduism at like three o'clock in the morning in my room. And um, I got up to get a drink. And when I stood up out of bed, cause you know, I was thinking about all this like really cool, fantastic, you know, Eastern religion, spirituality stuff. So it was in like a good, good vibe kind of thing. Um, so I got up to get a drink and this sound, it sounded like maybe like 
five metal bowls just like smashing together happened wow. right behind me. So I jumped. So I knew I didn't imagine it because I jumped like three feet in the air and turned around and there was just like nothing there that could have made that sound at all. So that was really creepy. And then I went downstairs and watched TV and cartoons and stuff until <laughs> the sun came up because it freaked me out. Yeah. Um, so that was the so, first thing. It wasn't yeah, too bad. So you heard it. It sounded like a bunch of metal bowls just clanging together. Was it far? Was it like right behind you or was it further away? No, it, it sounded like it was like right behind me. That's what made me jump so much. Oh, I was just, yeah. That's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I, would, exactly. I probably would have stayed up as well i might have ran away from the house i don't know <laughs> i feel like i should have because that's just the first part <laughs> had you ever heard anything like that before no um my mom used to say that she would hear jazz music in the house hmm. like when nothing was on that was the only thing because i talked to her about it i was like have you had anything like this happen here because she's like she's a witch as well so she it, like the veil is thin for her so I was like, have you had anything like this happen? And all she said was just hearing jazz music. Um, and we didn't, as before we continue, and I don't think we covered this for the listeners, could you tell us a, a little bit of the background about the property? Um, I don't know very much about the background of the property where my parents live. Um, I know that some of my friends in the area have said that there was a lot of... Um, Native American burial grounds in this area, but I also kind of feel like, you know, with it being America, that's sort of a prevalent thing. Um, but I would have to look into more about like the specific history of like this property. Um, Cause we've lived here for like 10 years. Um, with only like a few things like that that have happened. So it's not, you know, like one of those houses where you see on like, the ghost shows where it's like and then they moved out immediately and like bankrupted themselves to get away kind of thing <laughs> yeah. mm. so did, did your mom have any idea what the jazz music could have been caused by did she have a theory about what was happening no she just assumed it was you know something spiritual and you know didn't feel creeped out by it so she just sort of like went with the flow okay. <laughs> Yeah, she she doesn't seem to be as concerned about the things in the house as I am. Do you think? Do you feel that maybe they're targeting you more, or or is no one being targeted? They're just random. Um, I feel like I feel like it's more sort of random. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like it sort of happens whenever, like for me personally, when I'm having like a like spiritually open moment, like when I was reading about that religion. Or like, like when I'm receptive to that thing, those types of things is when it happens more. Mm -hmm. So ever since figuring that out, I've sort of like, you know, tried to protect myself and like shut that down whenever I'm in my parents' house. <laughs> I stay strapped with like crystals and stuff all the time. <laughs> and is that the, is that the only thing that happened to you in your, in your, it's your mom's house? Yeah. Um. Well, the other thing that happened was um, the first time I got a tattoo, and this is weird, um, the first time I got a tattoo, it was on my foot. So I went to bed that night um, with my foot, you know, like sticking outside of the bed, which, you know, nobody ever does. This is creepy. Um, but I had my foot sticking outside of the bed. And I remember, like, right as I was about to fall asleep, um, my foot just started shaking. And it was like, beyond the range of movement of like if I was like twitching or moving it myself yeah. or like muscle spasm or something like my foot was just like rocking up and down like crazy and I remember getting really really freaked out and then I remember thinking I wish this would stop and then it stopped <laughs> and then that was another time I went downstairs and watched cartoons until the sun came up because I was like like it felt like something grabbed me oh, yeah. it was it freaked me out so Couple questions. Was the uh, image that you had tattooed on you, did that have any special spiritual significance? Um, it was a lotus that I had gotten on my foot. Um, so it did sort of have like that spiritual significance of um, like the symbolism for the lotus is like rising from the mud to the surface and like spiritual rebirth in a sense. 
Um, and I was very much into that at the time. Um, and that's why I sort of like paired it with, you know, like being open like that mm-hmm. and having those experiences. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely in the first two experiences that you've talked about so far. Yeah, it definitely seems to connect back to this theme that you've pinpointed. And you said, so it felt like it, you said your foot was moving and it felt like something grabbed your foot. Did it feel like a hand or was it just like a, a force or a pressure? How would you characterize that feeling that you had? Um, it didn't really feel like a hand, like it didn't feel cold. It just felt like something was moving my foot like that. Like it was probably moving it like about a foot like off the bed and then down again over and over that's why i was like i was like this isn't just a twitch like this is my foot is moving a lot (laughs) your foot was moving a lit like a uh, your foot was moving a foot and then like falling back down onto the bed yeah 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 exactly yeah So I was like, I don't know why it stopped when I was like, I wish this would stop. I don't know if I had any control over it, but I was like, I'm taking it. I'm going downstairs, all the lights on, happy cartoons, pretending that didn't happen. <laughs> Has the phenomenon for you been restricted to your bedroom? Um, most of it has happened, yes, in that bedroom. And then also there's an adjacent like spare bedroom um, right next to mine. And that's, um, well, I'll tell you about the shadow people because that's sort of like where that plays in. Okay. Um, so I was in that same room where all the other stuff had happened. Um, and I remembered I couldn't get to sleep. I was trying to get to sleep and I was just sort of staring at the ceiling. And then for some reason I looked over towards the door of my room across, across the room. And I just saw these two figures like these two like they were almost as tall as the ceiling itself like one was just a little bit shorter and they looked like um solid smoke kind of like it was very dark it was very solid but I could tell they weren't like physical like like I couldn't reach over and touch them kind of thing like I could tell like they weren't really there but they seemed so solid like I couldn't see through them or anything and once I saw them like panicked and I tried to move and I realized that I couldn't move at all like I was just sort of like paralyzed or something in my bed I just I couldn't move and then ah such a freaky feeling there was one that was sort of like in charge the slightly taller one and it motioned for the other one to grab me so it grabbed me by like my ankles and I remember vividly being dragged like out of my bed, across the room, out the hallway and into the spare bedroom next door. And I remember as it dragged me, I was looking up at the taller one and it was like leering, but without a face. It was just such a malevolent feeling. Like it freaked me out to my core. Mm -hmm. And then once it brought me into the other bedroom, I just like remember panicking and then I woke up in my bed sort of like sort of like snapped back to my body kind of thing and I could move again so I immediately went back downstairs watched cartoons with all the lights on and that was like that was the scariest thing that's happened to me in this house that was just terrifying so yeah that that gave me goosebumps for sure was this was this like an astral event like your astral body was pulled out of your physical body or were you physically drugged into the other room like it felt like i was physically being dragged like my consciousness was definitely like there witnessing the whole thing Mm. but the fact that like there was just like in a blink i was back to where i was made me feel like I probably physically wasn't moved um, okay. unless I had like a complete like just out of body moment and just walked back into my bed which I'm pretty sure I would have just booked it to watch my cartoons. <laughs> yeah no I definitely I need to go to the happy place after after something exactly. like that. Um, yeah uh, I again I would probably have ran out of the house um so you said there's kind of this leering thing going on this gesticulating do you felt could you feel like like was there like an emotional empathic 
vibe directed at you or any other kind of communication with these these beating beings? Um, like they didn't say anything and they didn't have faces. It was mm -hmm. just sort of like as I was passing underneath the taller figure, like just like that feeling of just malevolence, like we got you, you're in trouble, like here it comes kind of thing. And I was just like, that was the only indicator or the best way I could explain it is just like, it was just a feeling that came off of it. Just like it just, of, <laughs> just of malevolence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. Wow. And then the super creepy part <laughs> is um, I told my mom about this um, probably close to like a year later or something just in passing and she was like, oh, you've seen them too? <laughs> oh, and wow. I was like, what? Why do we live here still? <laughs> That's horrifying. Um, but yeah, she was she told me that her experience was because her her room shares a wall with mine so it's in like the same area of the house um but she said that she woke up like in the middle of the night and there was just like this dark figure standing in front of her window so she could see like the light coming in but it wouldn't pass through the figure yeah. and she described it like a grim reaper kind of thing but like smoky mm -hmm. and that it was just sort of like staring at her and she was like paralyzed with fear and then she just woke up, I guess, like the next day and just remembered that it happened. So I don't know. <laughs> no, I, the, I, I, that's, that's a really good point that you brought up there, that kind of independent confirmation. Because I, I think that some people might say, well, you know, just had a bad dream or something like that. But that you and your mom essentially had not the exact same experience, but maybe an experience of, a same or similar being independent of each other and then only upon later talking about it you find that out i mean i think yeah. it's pretty compelling yeah because she was like i just assumed it was a dream and i was like no like <laughs> we couldn't have both had the same dream of like the same people i mean i guess we could have for people that are like skeptical but like for me i'm like that that legitimately happened Wow. And when I tell people about that, a lot of them are like, oh, I've had experiences like that too. Like whether it's coworkers or like friends or something, I'm just like, they're out there, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> Did you take any precautions after that or do anything to try to uh, dissuade the shadow people from returning? Um, the The only thing I really did was just do my best to pretend like it never happened to like not feed into it so I like I wouldn't be scared or like mm. you know like give them that energy to work with so I was just like that never happened it was all a dream but now that I like I had moved out and stuff I've acknowledged the fact that like yes there's shadow people in the house that I'm actually currently living there because I moved back home but <laughs> now I have like all the crystals all the sage I have um all sorts of stuff going for me <laughs> And no, me and my no, daughter. and no shadow people so far. Not since I moved back, and it's been like a couple months since COVID well, started. So that's, that's good to hear. And you're are you are you you're not currently in the house as you're talking about these things, are you? No, I am out in the driveway because I don't like to talk about it in the house. <laughs> okay. they are. I, don't, I do not blame you for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I could hear you. Yeah, so I'm hoping they can't hear me from the driveway, so. <laughs> we won't tell them. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Hopefully they don't listen to this, uh, to this show. So, <laughs> Jamie, did I, did I understand correctly that at one point you were living in, um, in the Danvers Asylum? The old asylum yes. north of Boston? Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I lived in, um, they're now called like the Bradley Danvers apartments. Um, and when I moved there, I was like, wow, look at this like crazy, beautiful architecture and stuff. And then I found out later after I'd moved in that it used to be like a mental hospital back, I think like in the 1800s or something. Yeah, it was constructed in 1874. Yeah, yeah. And um, the other thing that I thought was super strange about that property that I found out was, um, uh, one of the Salem witch trials, oops, sorry, one of the Salem witch trials um, 
either like the judge or his father or something like you know super christian anti-witch people um owned that property originally when it was settled so like there's just sort of like a weird spooky history at that place definitely um and um i didn't see shadow people when i was living there um i had a roommate at the time she swore that like she was being like plagued by like evil spirits um as far as like her health was really bad actually my health was really bad when i lived there too and so was my daughter <laughs> mm. um because i know that can be something that like happens when there's like ghosts in a space it's just like people getting sick all the time but yeah. um i actually was getting like symptoms of food poisoning pretty much every other week whether i like cooked at home or ordered out or like anything i would just get like violently sick like every other week at least for the entire six months that i lived there pretty much and then my daughter would get really sick too and um one of the ways that i'm able to tell without sort of like seeing the shadow people knowing that they're there um there's two things my daughter will start having night terrors where she will wake up screaming about horrifyingly terrifying things. Um, and then the other thing is I'll get scratches on myself where like I shouldn't be able to be scratched. Yeah. Um, like, it, like I wear a padded bra, so like a scratch on the side of my boob, like that shouldn't yeah. be possible. Like it's padded, nothing should be able to scratch that. So like scratches like that, would sort of like be my indicator that like the activity was starting up again. Um, and when I was living at that apartment, I actually um, took some steps to sort of banish them from the space, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I reached out to um, an older witch friend of mine who's like fourth generation, like she's a psychic for a living kind of thing. Um, and she gave me some tips on sort of like how to cleanse my space like super deeply beyond just like, you know, um, lighting some sage and stuff like that. So I sort of like went to war with the with the evil spirits in that apartment to try to make it livable. Um, and I was I was successful. So I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> OK, so you, yeah. you exercised the apartment. Yeah, and that was the first time I've done something like that. So I was, I was pretty happy that it worked. And my roommates looked at me like I was crazy the whole time I was doing everything. But I was like, you're going to thank me <laughs> when there's no spooky stuff in this house. Yeah, so yeah well, I, I was going to say, I think it's interesting, too, because I was actually going to ask you about this with your daughter being there. You oftentimes hear in these accounts that children... Uh, tend to be more sensitive and I'm wondering so when you mentioned her night terrors I was like oh well that makes sense in the context of uh, your experiences but ha has your daughter kind of experienced anything else that she's told you about uh, during these times um nothing that she's told me about mm -hmm. um like sometimes she'll say that uh, like she'll say something and I'll ask her what she's talking about and she'll say I'm just talking to myself Mm -hmm. but like she's talking as if she's talking to someone else like she's explaining what she's doing or something like that which i thought was weird but like she's never come to me and been like you know i see dead people okay. or whatever i think i think a lot of it was mostly like when she was asleep being okay. targeted kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah um and it was mostly just at that apartment in danvers mm -hmm. that that was happening and one of the ways that I knew that it stopped working, aside from me like not getting cuts on my body anymore, was she would sleep through the night. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, actually, now that you mention it, the only other sort of like spooky thing when we were living there that she said was she hated the closet in my room because she would come to sleep with me in my room when she would have these night terrors. And she would say that she needed me to turn the lights on in both the closets and leave them completely open and that's the only way that she could sleep was if she could like see illuminated that there was like nothing in the closet so i don't and i got a funky vibe from the closet too but i'm you know with all the stuff i've been through i'm very easily like yep nope lights on in the closet <laughs> let's do it <laughs> yeah absolutely 
Um, did, did she say anything other than that, or was it just that she wanted the closets open and the lights on, or did she indicate something that might be lurking in the closets, perhaps? Um, I think she was definitely concerned about something lurking in the closets. I didn't want to ask her too much about it because mm -hmm. it was like while we were in the apartment so i didn't want yeah. to be like hey let's talk about what may or may not be in the closet right now you know yeah. Yeah, makes sense. absolutely <laughs> exercise caution <laughs> when what what years were those in the, at the danvers um it was like two years ago so it would have been in 2018 okay for about six months there um during the winter time I read that it was mostly demolished in 2007. So then they, they just sort of reconstructed a set of apartment buildings. Yeah, there was, um, there were apartments that were inside of like the main building. Like if you take a look at like what the asylum looks like and what like Bradley Danvers looks like now, um, like that main building, it does have apartments inside of it. Um, but I was living in the new construction um, that was sort of like just off to the side. A little bit so like right next to it but like just sort of like a separate building nearby okay so you weren't physically in the exact same spot where mental patients would have lived correct i was okay. just on the same property a little bit adjacent could you get back into those properties or was that all has it all been demolished at that point um no they they kept the main um the main building of that house and just converted it into um the apartments that were on the inside of the building because um, like the older pictures that I've looked at of it, it's the exact same architecture. Like it would have, it would have taken too much, I think, to try to like recreate it completely versus just sort of like hollowing it out and, and fixing it, which is what I'm assuming that they did. Yeah. And did your neighbors also feel like there were things going on? You must have had, um, had a number of neighbors, right? I didn't really speak to any of my neighbors really I sort of keep to myself <laughs> like as long as they're quiet and there's like no problems okay. um but yeah nobody really else spoke about it um and then my roommates just thought that I was crazy <laughs> mm. as I'm like purifying the apartment um and yeah yeah, one of them was actually trying to mess with it while I was doing the cleansing. They were like, if you're real, you should just mess with me instead. And I don't know where she is in her life right now. <laughs> yeah. To like follow up with her about it because she was crazy. Um, but yeah, I was like, I wouldn't recommend taunting the spirits while I'm trying to kick them out. <laughs> right. Never a good idea for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I guess that's how uh, non-believers become believers. <laughs> yeah. They well, F around and find out. Yeah, I, I hope for your friend's sake that, you know, nothing happened to them, or I don't know if they're your friend, your former roommate's sake. My former roommate, yeah. <laughs> spirits are now attached to them. Well, hopefully they're not attached to me, and that's, <laughs> that's my main concern. Absolutely. All right. Well, I, I think we have it. Is there anything that is there anything else that uh, we've left out or that you haven't gotten to that you want to tell us um, about it? No, I think that I think that was most of my spooky history. That is really spooky. And you, yeah. so you've been, like you've lived in two haunted places. You've had it's almost like uh, something's following you from place to place, or maybe you've just got two separate haunting incidents. It's hard to say. Actually, what do you think there about that? I don't know because I feel like. Um, like, I never really addressed the one, like, the shadow people that are at my parents' house. Like, they're moving at the end of this year. Um, you know, I'm going to be moving out. So I'm hoping that they'll just stay put here. Um, I know that my mom had said that she did, like, a cleansing when they first bought this house, like, maybe 15 years ago when we first moved here. Um, and she's like, maybe that's why the shadow people aren't as bad as they could be. Mm -hmm. Um but I don't know. I feel like you need to do like, you know, some, some, some deep, deep work to get them out of a place. So I don't well, know if they were following me or if they were, you know, 
one of my roommates had some following them or if they were just attached to the property or or what it was really because I never saw anything but like the fact that the cuts were showing up again yeah is always yeah, how that, I'm like up that would be troubling <laughs> yeah I think that would be of all of the things that you mentioned I think that I would be most troubled by the cuts appearing on my body in places that they they there wouldn't be an explanation for that happening as you said if you know under a padded bra how how was that even conceivable that you could get a cut there right exactly uh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, spooky stuff. Uh, thank, yeah. thank you so much for sharing. This is this is great for our show. Maybe not so great for you, but it sounds <laughs> like you got things well in hand now and haven't had any incidents in a, a hot minute there. So um, yeah, thankfully. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show, Jamie. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Well, uh, again, we would like to, you know, reiterate our thanks to Jamie from Connecticut for sharing that story uh, out of respect for our guest and any future guest. We're not going to really do the whole back and forth analysis. Uh, we're going to let her experience stand uh, on its own merits and allow you, the listener, to make your own conclusions regarding Jamie's Encounters with Shadow People. All right, so that's been uh, Spectral Skull session for today. And we are now signing off. All right, stay strange, everyone. And stay sane. I also have a Halloween joke for you. Oh, yeah. How come the ghost could not get his wife pregnant? Because he was a specter. He didn't have any physical form. He had a hollow wiener. I actually don't get that. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Oh, now we're saying. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should keep that in there. You don't get it? I actually don't get it. I don't. It's hollow, so...